Hey y'all, I'm the Reverend Lizzie McManus-Dale. And I'm the Reverend Jonathan McManus-Dale. And this is Father's Know Best, a one-cut wonder. Right. You were about to say something. Oh, I was just going to say the bit about, this is a podcast where we as a clergy couple talk about the Bible, the lectionary, preaching, and other holy mischief. Oh, look at you. You're such a regular podcaster now. I know. I've got it memorized. <laughs> so we're doing a, just a quickie little one cut uh, wonder episode this week because next week we have a really special guest, my very dear friend, Saran Sadime, who has a podcast called Hidden Grief uh, and a really lovely, it's going to be a long, lovely, luscious episode. Um talking about grief and trauma and racialized grief and Palm Sunday and how all of those things collide in the crucifixion of Jesus. So um, we were inspired this week to talk about the assigned psalm for this coming Sunday, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 13. So a reminder that we go through the lectionary, um, which is a... um, series of schedule assigned of yeah a schedule of readings assigned texts that take you through most of the four gospels in the course of three years um and we've never talked about a psalm before we've talked about a lot of hebrew bible lessons uh, we've done a little bit of the epistles but we've mainly focused on the more narrative parts of scripture which are the gospels and then the hebrew bible lessons that are not psalms um right. and part of that is because psalms are not the easiest to preach on in my experience i think in my whole yeah. I've been preaching now for seven years, actually eight years, and I have preached explicitly on a psalm once. I've often used the psalm appointed for the day or a couple verses from it to like open in prayer for my Mm -hmm. sermon. What about you, Jonathan? Have you ever preached on a psalm? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I have. But you pray them almost every day. Almost every day. Yes. I, I endeavor to pray the daily office faithfully. I... Don't always do that as faithfully as I'd like. But, Tell me what the daily office is. But the daily office is, um, so in the Book of Common Prayer, right, there's a number. What of, is the Book of Common Prayer? Okay, we're going all the way back. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, the Book of Common Prayer is our book in the Episcopal Church of liturgy. It mm-hmm. has everything, everything that you need for, arguably, you're like life of prayer and worship. It's the book of life. It's the it's <laughs> not the book of life. That would be like Jesus. Actually, himself. can I say this? Real, oh, sorry. Go finish that thought. But I have a thought. Well, yeah. Let me tell what the book of common prayers. Okay, but there's lots of elements to the book of common prayer. Uh, everything from um, from the Holy Eucharist, which we celebrate as our principal service in non-pandemic times. Um, is our sort of main service, which, which is you would come on of, a Sunday morning right, to experience of Holy Communion. That's really central to our worship life. Uh, weddings, funerals, it's all in there. And um, one of the uh, most central parts of it is this part called the daily office. There's morning and evening prayer, noonday prayer, and Compline. Um, and morning and evening prayer both have a series of you read a um, a Hebrew Bible lesson and a New Testament lesson and a gospel mm-hmm. uh, lesson. And uh, you always read sort of a lengthy portion of the Psalms. Yeah, usually one really long Psalm or two or three shorter Short Psalms. Psalms. Yeah. So it's a, so incidentally, I have a prayer practice of praying the Psalms because I try to pray the daily office. And you get through the entirety of the Psalms, what, every three weeks, every four weeks? Not quite that often, but every... But, but, but fairly often. And actually, there's two track. You can choose. There's two ways to do the Psalter readings in the daily office. You That's can do right. the Psalm appointed, 
or you can do the 30-day reading. And in the Book of Common Prayer, it's actually divided up that way for you, so you can use it that way. So you can get through the Psalms, praying the daily office once a month. Uh-huh. I don't do that. That's uh-huh. too hardcore for me. It's but. very hardcore. So just something to say about the Book of Common Prayer, because there are lots of books out there. Like if you were to Google Common Prayer, many, many things are going to come up. But the 1979 Book of Common Prayer is like the emblem of how the Episcopal Church is both deeply reformed, like capital R reformed, moving, referring to a movement throughout history that comes out of the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> um, reformed typically means the, the branch of the Reformation that came out of Switzerland. Zwingli and Calvin were very involved. Uh, the Presbyterian is also very reformed, like denomination. So we're very reformed and we're very Catholic. And so uh, the the reformed Protestant aspect of us is that there's no secret book of liturgies. Like mm-hmm. if you want, you now you can't do, like you can't stand there and celebrate without being ordained. I mean, you could say the words, but the magic isn't happening. But like, if you want to know what the magic words are, it's all contained in the book we give you at confirmation. <laughs> and please do read it. It's like really part of our theology and formation. It really is. And so, um, and so in that sense, like we're very Protestant, like you have access to the thing, mm-hmm. but we're very Catholic in that the thing <laughs> is, is liturgy, not necessarily the Bible, uh, like, which is not to say that the Bible is not, because of course, har- huge portions of the Bible are in the BCP. But I just remember uh, the first time I led Bible study in an Episcopal church, I did not bring Bibles for everybody who was coming, even though people were coming who weren't necessarily Christian and like would mm-hmm. not have a copy of the Bible. Because growing up, Methodist, I was like, well, we could go into the church and there'll be Bibles in the pews. <laughs> and I went into the pews to get Bibles. There and they were, were, there. There were none. They <laughs> were all books of common prayer. This makes my that you know, my former Baptist heart just so sad. Right, because growing up for me, always in the pew in front of me, there was a Bible and a hymnal. Mm-hmm. And like the hymnals were blue, the Bibles were red, and I just like had foolishly assumed. Anyway. Yeah. And, you know, the argument that we make for that in the Episcopal Church, and it's a good argument. It's not always you know, com- completely uh, persuasive to me, but um, is that scripture? Um, scripture is is in the context of a worship service is meant to be heard. Yeah, and and um, heard and pondered and read together, not just sort of read as a as a text. But I think that sort of discounts the fact that we all learn differently and encounter differently and I think there's wisdom in that that's the thing I'm always saying on TikTok it's like y'all the idea that you would go into your little prayer closet and read the Bible all by yourself and come out with great revelation to you (laughs) yeah I mean if that works for you peace and blessings but like I did not fall in love with the Bible like that until I was in classrooms academic classrooms with people equipping me with how to to read it right um but the thing about the Psalms, and part of why we're inspired to, to touch on them today is because we had the incomparable Cole Arthur Riley at Episcopal Church of the Cross Indeed. on Sunday night, and she talked about praying the Psalms as places for deep human emotion. And the mm-hmm. Psalms are, P-S-A-L-M-S, are songs, the Psalms are songs, um, that are often attributed to David. Uh, like the king, King David of Bathsheba and uh, David and Goliath fame. Um, (laughs) Yes. And I know most people go for David and Goliath. You can tell that I was formed in feminist and womanist biblical hermeneutics and theology. Uh, (laughs) Indeed you can. um, They are 
so full of emotion and drama and violence they and are. joy. Um, and Jonathan, what what were you going to say about what gives you grace in praying the Psalms as regularly as you do? Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, sometimes I really struggle with them because they do have some violent imagery sometimes. Some of the most graphic imagery and, in scriptures in the Psalms. Yeah, and some real guttural experiences of, of anger and rage. Uh, and rage, right? And really, Cole Arthur Riley's um, presentation on Sunday evening helped helped with that because, you know, the Psalms are some of the the places of most emotional honesty in scripture. Oh yeah. And, um, and to pray them and to read them and reflect on them really just puts you into solidarity with people throughout history who have felt the same things that we all feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And also they're a tool for justice. And like yes. when we, um, speaking from the experience of a, of a white man, right? Like I, don't quite feel entitled to the same kind of rage that I think our siblings of color experience rightly so. But like, but she talked about that, but she talked about that and how praying the Psalms actually can be a window for me and people like me and, and all sorts of people to have a like safe container for that rage. And like, and like, and seeing expressing to God, um, in lament, in anger, in um, in joy sometimes, but the deep honesty of what our experience is, and especially can help us name the gap between what should be and what is. Well, yes. And two, two things to add to that, to, to draw in what uh, Cole Arthur Riley talked about on Sunday. First, part of why I think whiteness is afraid of rage is because white supremacy throughout history, whiteness mm-hmm. uh, throughout history when encountering rage has always harmed and mm-hmm. been at the expense of other people, which is part of the explanation for why when um, why so many folks respond with such negativity and condemnation and fear to black lives matter, which Mm -hmm. in the words of Michael J just matters, just Mm -hmm. matters. Like Mm -hmm. just the bare minimum, because there's this, this, this conditioning that rage will um, exact a cost. And that's Mm -hmm. because white rage always has. And I think to your sense of like, you, you feel like you can't climb in there too. I understand that. And I just know that like, men and boys are not socially conditioned to access and express emotions in the same way. And yet these Psalms are at least attributed to a man to men. Yeah. By and large. Right. Well, and I think that's, um, both by my gendered formation and my formation as a white person, the confluence of those cultures are very anemic when it comes to emotion. Right. And so praying the Psalms, would you say Jonathan helps you tap into that? Absolutely. Helps me tap into that emotion. And, um, and, and what Cole Arthur Riley talked about so much in her presentation, um, on, on black liturgies that she writes is that like, we can't, 
Um, and you'll give the Instagram information for that. In yes, a second. Black Liturgies. Look them up on Instagram. Yeah. Um, her up. We can't. We can't get free. We can't open. Open ourselves to God's liberation and salvation until we can get honest. Mm-hmm. Honest about what we are feeling. Honest about the condition of the world and like. Um, and we can be activists all day long, and we should. We should be active in this world, promoting uh, God's uh, reign of love and justice. And there's a gap that exists that we have no control over mm. between what should be and what is. Mm. And when we mourning that gap, giving voice to that gap, is actually a place that we can allow God to enter in and mm. transform our life, transform mm. our reality. Mm. Um, I found that to be really, really powerful um, on Sunday. So, so yeah, I think, I think the Psalms do give us, give us that window. And, you know, they, they just, they give us license to express ourselves. To God. To in God. ways that I, I think often we feel like we have to come before God as our polished, perfect selves or mm-hmm. like walk away with this like sanctified experience that um, therefore looks toxically positive mm-hmm. and replenished and renewed when, um, in the words of my advisor in college, Jane Crossway, you don't want a God, you can't kick in the shins. Right? right. right. Or um, similar on their album, Preacher's Kid, uh, I can't remember exactly how they put it, but there's a line about the savior and it's like, if your savior isn't big enough for me mm. to be angry, it's like the, mm-hmm. the emotive experience I have. I can't remember the exact line, yeah. but yeah. And, and like there's, what just baffles me is that there's just so much ample scriptural evidence for being a complete hot mess mm-hmm. before God. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm an emotional hot mess right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm okay. <laughs> But I'm not okay. (laughs) You know, the one year mark of the pandemic, like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Jonathan and I are both so blessed to be half vaccinated and will be fully vaccinated. Literally, y'all, the post, if if all goes according to plan, my like 11th day post vaccination when I'm going to be fully, like the vaccine is at its full capacity, is Easter Sunday. Mm. If that's not resurrection. If that Mm -hmm. is not resurrection. Like I feel that hope. And I just am still so weary and exhausted. And the Psalms are there for that. So, Mm -hmm. Jonathan, how about you read us Psalm 51, verses 1 through 13? Absolutely. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are justified when you speak and upright in your judgment. Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. Mm. For behold, you look for truth deep within me and will make me understand wisdom secretly. Purge me from my sin and I shall be pure. Wash me and I shall be clean indeed. Make me hear of joy and gladness that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again, and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. 
So, Jonathan, this is the second time we've heard this psalm in Lent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time is actually in the Ash Wednesday liturgy. So, whatever psalm is appointed, in addition, you also read Psalm 51. And again, you know, to what we were saying earlier, uh, this this isn't a psalm necessarily expressing rage, but it's a, a psalm lamenting our human brokenness and sin mm. and asking for God's loving kindness to forgive us, to blot out our sins. I love this line for behold, you look for truth deep within me Mm. and will make me understand wisdom secretly. Mm -hmm. That's like such a strange uh, juxtaposition. Make me understand wisdom secretly. Like is the wisdom secret? Is the like understanding happening in secret? Um, And yet I think where it's striking me right now is just this like, we're all such miserable sinners. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yet there is like the truth, like you look for truth deep within me. And I think one of the deepest sins is is self-deception. That is Mm -hmm. certainly the sin that I am most prone to. Mm. And that there is this like secret unfolding of wisdom and like the deepest and truest wisdom is not wise because it is secret, but it comes from those like incredibly tender, emotive places. Mm-hmm. Like wisdom is one of those things I think that is professed as being like intellectually like superior and mm-hmm. neutral and rational and erudite. <laughs> and I think yeah. you can tell that I think that's BS. But actually wisdom comes from, really it comes from an experience of God, right? Uh, which is not a rational thing. Which is not a rational thing. <laughs> like it's a, it's a kind of an experience. I think, a, I think about Job at the end of the, the, at the end of the book, you know, kind of in the presence of God and saying, it's my dad's favorite verse of scripture, so I never forget it. Like, where were you, Job, when I created the universe? It's like What's wisdom. Your dad's is, favorite? Yes, one of them. Yeah, like that. That just sort of. Wait, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Finish the. That wisdom is kind of that shift in perspective where you like you you might like with the psalmist, like, rail it and scream at God. But then at the end of the psalm, you sort of come back to God is God is mysteriously loving and sovereign and just. Mm. And somehow our experience of the world that doesn't match up to that is just held in that mystery. Mm. I, and that strikes me in this. Give me the joy of your saving help again. Mm-hmm. And wisdom is like kind of being able to recall, right? Like God's mighty acts, God's saving acts throughout history, throughout and throughout our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think about like that you look for truth deep within me. Um, we've had several conversations over these past couple of days with very wise people who've talked about the importance of getting still mm-hmm. and of, um, of listening to our own soul mm-hmm. and that being where we meet God. Um, because there is that illustrious or lustrous part of ourself um, hmm. that's like, I don't know, the realm that we meet God. I think, too, about, I'm, I'm still stuck on this joy piece. Mm-hmm. Um, give me the joy of your saving help and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Like, the joy of being saved. Like you don't get joy unless like from being saved, unless you were in peril. Mm. That's great, isn't it? (laughs) Right. 
Can't we just be safe without having to go through something needing from which we need saving? God, I'm so tired of Lent. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so much work. It is. And I just am feeling this, like, weariness in my bones of exhaustion at this pandemic and exhaustion uh, in the world and... Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just so, I don't know, there are times, I, I understand that there are a lot of folks who get really put off by Christianity because of all of our talk about being sinners. And I like definitely know that there's some really like problematic ways that sin has been wielded as a weapon, mm-hmm. uh, like, like the idea of being a sinner. But, but right now I'm just like, man, I'm just so grateful we're saved and also I'm just so ready to be saved again and not in some sort of like cry night moment although maybe because like I definitely feel like the pandemic has emotionally abused and coerced us enough to that space you know uh to to just be like raw and open but I also am like man the joy of salvation it reminds me of um I'm rereading Fleming Rutledge's The Crucifixion all 700 pages of that book, which is definitely a book that I um, put my boxing gloves on to engage with. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, but it is a, it is the joy of a great boxing. I don't even like boxing. I'm just going to extend this metaphor of it. like, you know, it's like sport. I, yeah, I, I really disagree with a lot of what she says, but I really enjoy the intellectual and emotional and spiritual exercise of engaging with her, and I think she does have some really profound connections um but she has this epitaph at the beginning of the chapter about god's justice from shakespeare's much ado about nothing which is my favorite shakespeare oh yeah that's good good yeah that says oh villain thou art condemned to everlasting redemption i think it's redemption i can't remember if it's redemption or salvation but i'm trying to remember iamic pentameter whatever i'll count it out later the point is is it's (laughs) meant to be this like very shakespearean haha the like silly guard um, saying something foolish, but in fact, in that foolishness, something deeply wise. Mm-hmm. And like how foolish it is that we are saved with joy. <laughs> like, that's so silly. <laughs> it is so silly. <laughs> Don't you think? I do think. Am I making any sense or it's just like I'm the, not sure. the Lent fatigue? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I just had some afternoon coffee, and I don't think it's kicked in yet, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, y'all, this has been... <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been a one-cut wonder. Uh, just know that you're so loved, and yeah, that's right. if you're feeling the pandemic fatigue, the Psalms are there for you. The Psalms are there for you, and that the body that God has broken will rejoice again. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Resting in that promise today. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Lizzie. Thanks, It's fun to do this with you. Is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, good. I love you. (laughs) Love you, too. Okay, bye. Bye.